0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to do a summary of 1 Timothy. In our last session, we finished the last chapter of 1 Timothy. There's only six chapters. Now, the way I think of this letter now, especially in light of us just reading it while it's still all fresh, is we need to remember that this letter is from Paul to Timothy. And he's instructing Timothy, teaching Timothy, um, counseling or coaching Timothy and how to deal with the folks at Ephesus because Timothy is staying on there at Ephesus. So some of this, now, mind you, we can apply, I think we can apply all of this to us. I mean, we have a lot of the same failings that anyone else would have even thousands of years ago. But we do need to remember that that this is pointed toward or it's, more finely honed to help the folks at Ephesus and and not always in a huge general slapping of the brush, you know, the paintbrush. It's it's a, it's a little more, uh, this is a little more targeted and focused on them. Again, no, not that you can't apply that to us. You certainly can apply this to us. I'm not saying you can't. But uh, it helps to know that, though, that who he was, you know, who the ultimate, what the ultimate goal was, who the ultimate target audience was. So, so um, Paul starts out you know, saying you know, that uh, he should instruct, Timothy should instruct certain individuals, now it doesn't give us names or anything, but certain individuals uh, to not teach any different doctrines. In other words, don't teach anything that goes against the gospel or against the words of the Lord. You know, he cautions that some individuals may have, you know, may have wandered away due to these things. And then about the law, he says that uh, basically that the law is good if one uses it lawfully and appropriately, understanding that the law is not for the righteous person; it is for the unrighteous person. So, the law, while while we fulfill the law as Jesus did, or we should be okay um the law is not really intended for us because we should be righteous and don't get me wrong i know we don't feel righteous i certainly do not feel like a righteous person i feel like i'm just a normal bad person you know trying to follow the lord okay and i think probably most of us would agree that we feel that way but As long as we are following the Lord and we are repenting and and working on ourselves and improving, God calls us righteous for our for our efforts and our good works and our you know as long as we're faithfully trying, he calls us righteous. So I can't fight against what he says in his word. (laughs) So so we are called righteous in that sense because we are in good standing with God. He looks upon us favorably because we're following the Lord. So, in that sense, the law is not for us anymore. However, that doesn't mean that we get to go out and do things that are intentionally against the law, because that would be wrong. If we're following the Lord, we're not going to do any of those things anyway. So, we really don't need the law. God's law, God's love, and and His heart should be in us, in the Holy Spirit and and that should be written on our hearts. So we're not going to do those things. We're going to want to try to do things to please God, to please the Lord. And those things we know don't please Him. So we would not want to do those things. So Paul is trying to teach him, you know, trying to tell him about that or remind him of that as well. And, um, you know, then at, and this is, this is, we're still just in, this is just chapter one. And, um, he tells him to keep his faith completely on God. And, uh, and he does mention a couple of people, you know, some people have rejected, uh, rejected God and made a shipwreck of their faith. So he does mention a couple of people and he says he has handed them over to Satan so that they will be disciplined and taught not to blaspheme. So the idea is he didn't hand them over to be destroyed and go to hell, but that they would be disciplined and taught. So the idea is they would be corrected and they would come back to the the correct ways, which that's what we want, right? That's what we want for anybody who's erring, for anybody who has uh, some issue that they get into trouble with sin. We want to help them. We want to help them uh, discipline themselves and teach themselves and, and not do that and, and instead follow, follow the Lord more and try to do... Um, trying to not do that by doing something instead for the Lord. You know, replace a vice with a virtue kind of thought is my idea. Anyway, that's just I'm just throwing that out there. Alright, so in chapter 2, Paul tells Timothy, and thus he is telling us this as well, he urges that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be offered on behalf of all people, and for kings and all who are in authority, so that we would live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So, in other words, so that we can live godly lives. We would pray on behalf of all people. I mean, he says right here, all people and then offer thanksgivings t- to God and ask and ask him to help our leaders so that we would be able to live a peaceful life and, and worship him in all godliness. So this is good and acceptable in the sight of God and says in the next verse. So that's an, that's an important thing to be aware of. We should pray for all people. And I know in a way praying for all people is going to be a little on the general side, but you do the best you can. You can pray specific requests for other people that you know about, you know, specifically. But anyway, that's a good thing to know. And uh, then he has some instructions for women, and he wants them to dress modestly and and not worry so much about dressing up the outside as dressing up the inside, as in um, having a a loving heart, and doing good deeds, and caring about others. Now, um, he does make a statement here, and I'm not sure if there was a certain particular problem at Ephesus. I, I can't remember right now. Sometimes I think maybe we should have read Ephesus and Timothy you know, back to back. But nonetheless, if there was a certain problem with some women, maybe, and he says, I do not allow women woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Now, we have times when we want everyone to interact in the assembly and we want interaction from men and women. So I don't know that this holds totally true for us. And and he does say, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. So it's not like he's saying this is straight from God. So he does say a woman must quietly receive instruction with all awesome submission. Myth- Missiveness, so maybe there was some argumentative stuff or something. Maybe there were some women who were being disruptive. I, you know, it's hard to say, um, but I don't think we can just say I don't want to allow someone, you know, a woman to teach a man anything or to teach a guy, because you know we have a lot of teachers that are women, and I've learned a lot of good things from women, just like I've learned a lot of good things from men. So I don't think it's meant in such a broad hard, iron-classed way. You know what I mean? Uh, Think about what your mother taught you in your life. Think about what you learned from maybe uh, your grandmother and your Sunday school teacher who was probably, at least part of the time, a woman, and and school teachers who were largely women. So, I mean, I I don't think we can take this to that ultimate limitation of, oh, women should never teach guys, because that's just too much. And then he says... A man, teach a man, or exercise authority over a man, well, I've had plenty of women who were my boss. I have a boss now who is a woman. I, am I supposed to? I can't just be against that. Because that doesn't seem... I, I don't think it's meant to be that type of rule. I think there was specific issues here they were trying to address. Now, you don't have to agree with me. That's quite all right. But I don't think this is meant to be so iron or ironclad is that the word? I think ironclad. You know, it's supposed. It's not so set in stone as it may sound. I don't think it's intended to be that way, though. He does. You know, he does give. Uh, he does give the reason, saying that Adam was formed first, and and I think as far as in the hierarchy of our family, yes, you know, the the husband is technically over the wife, and and f- has that final say. But I know a lot of times, a lot of times, I. I go with what my wife thinks or I'd say, Well, what do you think? or I say, Well, you know, we'll do that however you want to do it because I have no preference or it's not, you know, whatever. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of give there and and I'm not sure that we need to be um, making this some sort of tyrannical position against women. I think that's a bad idea. So and that's that's the one thing I worry with some comments like this that people would take that to an extreme and I don't think it makes sense, so just moving on, just not even going to stay there. So then in chapter 3, he talks about overseers and deacons and how they should be qualified for their, their roles and they should be respectable, honorable people. And uh, it also mentions women, though that could mean wives, should also be worthy of respect and not malicious gossips. Let's see, then he talks about, let's see, um, yes, and then he's talking about, um, okay, I lost that train of thought, I'm sorry. So he says, I hope to come to you before long, but I'm writing these instructions in case I'm delayed. I'm assuming since he wrote this letter and sent it, he probably was delayed. And then he mentions the great mystery And great, we confess, is the mystery, the hidden truth of godliness. He, Jesus Christ, who was revealed in human flesh, was justified and vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Then we move on to chapter 4, where he says, But the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit, declares that in later times some will turn away from the faith and he talks about that turning away and in talking about that as he comes down he says he says um, everything God has created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude so you know but he's he's part of what he's talking about before that though is that they're going to fall away they're going to be deceived um, they're going to listen to deceitful and seductive spirits um, says they will forbid marriage and abstain from eating certain foods and you know you can kind of see some of that possibly coming down the road even now and then he tells Timothy that if he will make sure that he points out these instructions to the congregation and make sure that he continues his study and, and on the words of faith and all that he will you know, he will be, um, you know, a good minister disciplining himself for the purpose of godliness, you know, because that discipline of studying the word and keeping yourself spiritually nourished is is what's important. Don't have anything to do with folklore and silly myths, which, you know, there was a lot of. Um, Let's see, and he also told Timothy, now we have to remember Timothy was a young man, he said, let no one look down on you because of your youth, which we shouldn't look down on people because of their youth. I mean, you never know when you'll learn something from a young person that you possibly just wouldn't have learned without their particular or unique perspective. Um, so I, I, I try to always, I try to always be listening and receptive and I don't think it matters what our age is or anything like that. We can we can always learn things. I've learned things from from everybody, and this going back to what we were talking about previously. You know, I've learned things from my wife. So I mean, there's 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 lots of good things we can learn a lot from each other in the body of Christ. We can if we're just if we're just be open and be receptive to it but also filter it through the word make sure that it agrees with what is actually in the Bible and that it's not something false or perhaps a mistake, you know, or a mistaken belief. So, and he encourages Timothy to pay close attention to himself and to his teaching, persevere in these things, for as you do, this will ensure salvation for both yourself and those who hear you. So that's probably an important thing. For anyone who wants to teach the, the Lord's Word. Now, I don't really consider myself a teacher, but I'm just, you know, trying to share God's Word and study that with you and learn whatever we learn out of it. Uh, but on the other hand, since I am doing that, I need to try to make sure that I'm continuing my own study and keeping myself. Up as best I can. I'm not going to be perfect, and and you know that. I'll just tell you. I'll just remind you of that. I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm not perfect. It doesn't surprise me that I'm not perfect. <laughs> There's no surprise there. So um, then in chapter five, at the beginning. Paul reminds Timothy of how to deal with people in the congregation, you know, how to treat older men, treat them more as a father, older women more as a mother, uh, younger men more as brothers, and younger women more as sisters, and always be careful to maintain appropriate relationships, not doing anything wrong. He does go into talking about honoring widows and how we in our congregation should help the widows, especially true widows. Now, widows who have children and grandchildren who will take them and support them, um, he's basically saying, no, your family, you should take care of your family. If you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. And I've always thought that was true. I've always believed that. So we should definitely be taking care of our family. I mean, I have a mother myself and a mother in law and we you know we should be taking care of them if they need it um that's just just life that's just the way it is um because they don't you know family should take care of family first, and then if there are true widows with no support, then the congregation would should step in and help them out. He calls it. Pardon me. Um, Paul calls it a widow is to be put on the list only if she's over 60 years of age, um, the wife of one man, and has a reputation for good deeds. So it says also she's brought up children, she's shown hospitality to strangers, she's washed the feet of the saints. I think that's more of a figurative thing, meaning that she has, has been supportive and helpful to uh, the congregation. You know, serving others, All right? Because that was the example Jesus set as a service to others, and showing us how we should serve others. Um, and then he he says not to enroll the younger widows because they'll want to marry again. And he talks about sometimes they get into being busybodies and, you know, gossiping. So I, I don't want to re-go all through all that. We know that that's not good things for us to do, and we don't want people doing that. And then he, he talks about elders, and he mentions that elders who perform their leadership duties well are worthy of being paid. They're worthy of their um, of double honor. And he does say that that is You know, there's not that that is. He basically says that is the correct thing to do. He says, do not uh, accuse an elder or accept an accusation against an elder, uh, unless it's based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And an elder, of course, that continues in sin should be reprimanded in front of the congregation. I really, I think all of this is to try to correct bad conduct and get someone to, you know, come back away from that bad conduct and and act correctly. So, he talks about um, not being in a rush to approve someone for a ministry or an office in the church, but to take your time doing that because there shouldn't be a rush to do that. And he he does tell Timothy, this this one little paragraph or a couple, one sentence here is just like a private thing to Timothy saying look, don't just continue drinking water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach because the water was upsetting to Timothy's stomach. Obviously the water was not pure, it was probably contaminated you know, like we talk about Montezuma's revenge and stuff. So he's telling him, you know, wine, a little, a little wine with a, that low level of alcohol would help would help clear some of that up. Plus the the fruit juice probably would not be bad either. So no, we're not talking about you know moonshine or strong liquor or, or something crazy like that. We're just talking about a little bit of something to help his to help his stomach. Uh, and then he finishes this chapter talking about the fact that the reason you don't rush to put someone in office or to uh, or approve them for a minister is that the sins of some people are conspicuous, and you see them right away, but the sins of some other people kind of follows behind them, and you don't see it right away, and it shows up later, and then he says, likewise, good deeds are quite evident, so, so good deeds tend to show up, now sometimes those also follow, um, I know I don't, my, my, probably most of us do not go around tooting, trumping our own horn, so, you know, uh, so we don't Our good deeds may not be readily noticeable, but I still think that it's kind of, I still think in a way it's kind of obvious when you're that type of person. So then Paul continues in chapter 6, the last chapter, and uh, talks to those who are, first he talks to those who are bondservants or slaves. We could think of that of today as employees and employers that we should act worthy towards those people that were in their employ and respect them so that you know the name of God will not be spoken against. We should act correctly, and I've had my own lessons in that in my lifetime where I have perhaps been uh, out of line. I'll just say out of line with. Someone who who was my superior or my boss and and that that's really not the way to be. But you know, I was young and foolish and hot-headed, so I just I would just say that's that's really not a defense. I should have known better even then, but I didn't. So And uh, says those who are who have believing masters are not to be disrespectful to them, you know or employers because they should serve them even better actually since they're believers and their fellow believers. you know um, He says if anyone teaches a different doctrine, does not agree with the words of the Lord, then you know they're wrong. <laughs> they're wrong, they're conceited and woefully ignorant. He, he's talking about people who are preaching and teaching the wrong things and he's uh, they're doing it for the love of money to make money. They're doing it as a source of income only. They really don't believe or have any care about the gospel. They're just teaching things to make money. Now we can and have seen that in our lifetimes with TV um, ministries. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm I'm not going to say that because I don't know these people. But we know that some have been bad and really seem to focus on how much money they can get rather than the word of God. So I just I'm gonna leave it there because not everyone is bad, but there have been some and we know. Okay? So but Paul does say godliness is actually a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment because our gain is going to be in spiritual blessings and wonderful things and it's not going to be in worldly things. You know, it's not necessarily going to be a lot of worldly stuff or wealth or whatever. Um, But we can be happy, you know, for we have brought nothing into the world and we're not going to take anything out of it either. But if we have food and clothing with these, we'll be content. In other words, we're content to have our needs met and just enjoy the blessings that God has given us here. Well, you know, people who crave money or crave to be rich and powerful just for the sake of having that, they can fall into, well, he says, fall into temptation and a trap, and uh, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction, leading to personal misery. So it is. It's not money itself. Money is a resource, but it's the love of money or the the wanting, the greed, desire for it that is what is the root of all evil. That's what causes well all sorts of evil depends on your translation in the amplified Bible it says all sorts of evil and and it does it has caused some people to wander away and they've they've hurt themselves and it's, he says here um, they have uh, pierced themselves with many sorrows and that's true you can cause yourself a lot of sorrow and then he says on the, you know to, to contrast that but you O man of God flee from these things Aim amen and pursue righteousness, Um, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. So, we should be aiming for those things. Righteousness, you know, we should aim for right standing with God, being humble, admitting our faults, but at the same time following the Lord and uh, repenting. And you know, staying in right because we always we're always going to mess up. So, so just repent, <laughs> and you know, just keep continually keeping ourselves in right standing with God, and then um, godliness. In this case, it says the fear of God. You know, being reverent of God and being. I think of that in a number of different ways. It's all inspiring to see the world sometimes and to see some of the beautiful, wonderful things and. Uh, and then to think that he's created all of this the entire universe himself it's that too can be just a big wow if you really sit back and think of it sometimes when you look at the night sky and you see all the stars and it's just a lot sometimes and sometimes it's too much and maybe that's why we don't think that way enough but 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 I think we all do at times sit back and we look at that and it reminds us. Um, and then, of course, faith, believing in God. God is the the one, the all-powerful God. Love, we want to aim for love. We want to um, that unselfish care about others where we try to help others without expecting anything in return. Steadfastness, I think of that as stubbornness. And what else? Stubbornness and just refusing to quit. Even when we mess up, we get back up again and we start over. You know, we just refuse to quit. And we admit that sometimes, some days, we have days where we, you know, maybe we do want to quit. We just get tired. We're just, we feel like maybe our own personal struggle, we're not doing very well or we're not accomplishing what we would like. And maybe we feel like we're. <sighs> Just not good enough. I mean, there's so many ways you can feel about this. Maybe you're angry because something is not going right, or did not go right, and you want to quit. But you know what? Just it's hard. I know, but just put that aside and keep trying. Keep coming back. Don't don't give up just because we do mess up. We can stubbornly refuse to give up, and that's that's what we need to do. It's what we try to do. And then and gentleness you know being being kind being mild being humble not being conceited and you know thinking too much of ourselves and not being harsh or uh i can't think of maybe the right word for this uh but not rough or, or uh meanfully outspoken or anything like that you know we're in gentleness we try to treat others kindly and uh, nicely and not uh not be you know not be I don't think we would intentionally be mean, but just try not to be too mean or gruff with others. So, all right. So, and then Paul continues on and he talks about um, the rich in this world and how to instruct them to not be conceited and arrogant and not to rely on their riches and their things that they have in this world, but instead to rely on God. And understand that God is the one that... uh, Let me read this the way he says it here. They should trust on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And he says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share. And I, I think that's important. And I know it may or may not work, but it's good that, that, that we would instruct and, and teach people that because that's what God wants. And finally, he tells Timothy to guard and keep safe what's entrusted to him, which is the Word of God, the knowledge that he has of, of like godly knowledge and, and wisdom, and to turn away from worldly and godless chatter and the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. And then he says, which some have professed, and by doing so have erred and strayed from the faith. So do not let the godly, the I'm sorry, <clears throat> do not let the worldly knowledge, so-called knowledge, lure you away. Um, there's a lot of things that the world will proclaim as facts that are not truly facts. Um, you know, there's a lot of theories that are, proposed nowadays and this is something I don't like I love theories I love talking about stuff and thinking about stuff and entertaining ideas but when you say that it's a fact when it's not that is worrisome because then at that point it's deceitful now it could be that the person saying that honestly believes it's a fact though so I don't want to be mean to them But just the fact that that is being, not just the fact, but just because that's being spread erroneously as a fact, that bothers me. It really troubles me. Um, We should always make sure that people know theories are theories. They change. They change over time with the blowing of the breeze and depending on, you know, some guy, uh, he finds out something new and he says, oh, well, that changes that theory. That theory can't be that because I found this. And so, it changes. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a wonderful thing. That's progress. But, that happens because it affects a theory, not a fact. A fact would be, this rock is hard, and it hurts if I hit my hand on it. That's not going to change, even if you discover something else about that rock, because it's a hard rock, and I've already hurt myself on it. Now, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's a fact, but, you know, I mean, I guess you could discover that rock was a sponge and I'm a wimp, but that that really wouldn't necessarily change anything for me. Then you're going about perspective, and that's not even fact anymore. So but I'm just talking about facts and theories. And we need to make sure that we don't let people get confused by the theories in the world and, and make sure they understand that it is a theory. you know, but God made things the way they are. Regardless of our theories, okay, um, he made things the way they are. So they appear, they may appear a certain way to us that we do not understand. And that we're trying to theorize how these things were done or how it happened, which is fine, but it's theory. We didn't do it. You know, we didn't create it. Uh, I think I've said before, it's like taking, you know, taking like a, A galaxy, a C-5 galaxy, and dropping it down on a bunch of people 5,000 years ago, what would they have thought that was for? You know, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. Or a fighter jet, or some other such contraption. These people would not know what that was for, and they would be trying to figure out something that they just had no way to understand. So, it's just a thought, you know, and that's the way we look at things. We're trying to figure things out. But we don't know everything that God knows, so we can't figure everything out right now. Over time, maybe we'll figure more and more out, and when we get to heaven, I'm sure God can explain everything to us. But some of that we just have to accept that we don't know now, and we'll, we'll learn as we go. So then Paul ends his letter. I'm sorry, I'm just rambling now. So Paul ends his letter with that you know be be safe and, and guard the the godly wisdom you have and don't be distracted with these other things and then he says a simple grace be with you Paul I mean that's probably the simplest ending I have seen of a letter from Paul but but this was to Timothy who was personal to him and not to a congregation so so he said grace be with you and that is the end of chapter 6 which is the end of first Timothy now we will look at 2 Timothy next and read through that. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. The Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.